My name is Benjamin Pace, and you're listening to the No Content Podcast. And if you happen to be a duck listening to this, you're in a safe space. Welcome to the No Content Podcast. My name is Benjamin Pace. And you know, the, the Lord the Lord done done did something. He he done he done switched my message, is what he done. And, and uh, I had another uh had another podcast in mind for this week. Um, but I, I feel like the Lord has been dealing with me about being sensitive to the unctions of the Holy Spirit. And I believe, you know, all the previous podcasts, I believe that they were by the unction of the Holy Spirit. You know, he helps us. And um, but, you know, sometimes it's easy to get locked into our own plans or our own ideas. You know, we can get attached to our ideas, our plans, how we think something's going to go, what we think is going to happen. You know, some people are really great with the long term planning thing and you know, I'm a big believer in vision. I'm a big believer in, um, you know, without vision, people perish. But, you know, the Bible says the Holy Spirit will show us things to come, but it didn't say he'd show us everything about how we were going to get there. And we have to be on guard against getting attached to our plan. You know, this happened with Naaman uh, in the Old Testament with the, the prophet Elisha. He knew that he was there to be healed, and obviously he was convinced that healing was possible, that God could heal him, and that there was a a strong chance of him being healed because he had heard the testimony of the little girl that was serving in his household. And so there was faith there. And so, you know, he came to be healed, and he was right. He was right. God was willing to heal him. But what he missed is how he got there. (laughs) because Elisha said, go dip in the Jordan seven times. And he said, I thought he would have waved his hand over me. And and listen, Naaman was willing to pay. He didn't come empty handed. He was willing to pay. But but God knew that this was a test for Naaman. And so Naaman was attached to his own idea and how he thought he was going to get healed. And when he humbled himself, though, and was willing to do what the Lord said to do through Elisha, he received the end that he was believing for. So the end was right. The the vision was right. But many times how you get there is different. And we got to be careful about getting attached to our plan. And you also need to be aware of not, not following other people's plan all the time. You know, if there's people that they have their own ideas and their own thoughts or they get attached to an idea, and they think this is how things are going to go. You know, you know, we've always gone to college, and so you're going to go to college. Well, college is fine if that's what the Lord's telling you to do. But you got to be careful about things that are soul attachments and, and plans that the soul gets attached to. Because a lot of times the Lord will intentionally <laughs> lead us around that and away from that. I mean, I just, I don't make five-year plans. <laughs> I really don't. I've learned better than to do that because anytime I've started to do that or tried to do that, at least in the few years that I've been on this earth, um, the Lord has always taken me a different direction than the way that I thought 
or even the way some people thought around me. And, and so the biggest thing is to be led by the Spirit and, and to, to follow the unctions of the Spirit, to trust what you get on the inside. And you may not know it all. You're not going to see it all. The Bible says your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. Well, a lamp does not light up the whole highway. <laughs> you know, one street light lights up one section of the highway. And so God gives us enough light to be able to see right in front of us. And he gives us a vision. He knows, we know what we're pressing toward. We know what, what the end is. We know he will reveal to us vision for the future. He'll show us things to come, but that doesn't mean we see everything about how to get there. And that's another thing that I will say. Uh, and this probably won't be the only time you'll hear me say this in the near future. Um, th- this idea about blind faith, this idea about blind faith is not right. Um, I, I've heard this said for years by different people. You know, you just got to have blind faith. That's not true. And the reason why it's not true is because Jesus said that he was anointed to preach good news, and that good news was going to cause the blind to see. Now, that applies to the blind naturally. It applies to the blind spiritually. That's not true. There's no such thing as blind faith. I'll say it again. There is no such thing as blind faith. Because the Bible says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. God doesn't show you the whole thing, but he always gives you some light. Are you listening? God always gives you some light. He doesn't show you the whole thing. He doesn't show you the whole interstate. He doesn't show you the whole GPS route. But he gives you enough light to obey. He gives you enough light to take a step toward what he's called you into. And he will show you things to come. He'll give you glimpses of the future. He'll reveal vision to your heart. But he requires faith. The just shall live by faith. Faith is required to follow Jesus. And the reason why that's so important is because you need to know you're not going to see everything. You're not going to know everything. But guess what? You will see something, though. You are not blind. You are not wandering around in the dark. He told the Pharisees, you are blind leaders who are leading the blind. Well, God is not leading the blind. He gives sight to the blind. He gives you enough light to see right in front of you. I'm going to say it again. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And the word is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. That means there's no such thing as blind faith. That just all came right out of my spirit. I wasn't expecting to say it, but it's true. And so praise God. Glory to God. And so I'm learning not to get attached to my plan or to the plan. I'm learning to just kind of go with the flow of the Spirit. <laughs> now, that doesn't mean I need to make a big deal. Or, or And that's another thing, being headstrong about a thing. This is what we're going to do. This is what I'm going to do. Well, there's a principle in, in holding fast what you have and standing firm on what you've received from the Lord. But, you know, palm trees, uh, they're flexible. Palm trees are flexible. Did you know that palm trees, the thing that causes a palm tree to withstand hurricane force winds is actually its soft core? You could say it has a tender heart. 
Palm trees aren't hard and resistant. Palm trees can bend, but guess what? They're still unmovable. They're still unmovable. Uh, palm trees are often the only thing left standing after hurricane force winds because they're flexible. They're willing. They're willing. Are you listening? And you know what Psalm 92 says? It says the righteous will flourish like the palm tree. Oh, come on. Makes me want to go to Florida. Praise God. <laughs> but you don't have to be hard and resistant to be rooted. Oh, come on. You don't have to be hard and resistant to be rooted. But you have to realize that when you're all these winds of doctrines are blowing and, and all these plans of men are blowing and all these different things, all you need to do, baby, is just stay rooted and grounded in love, stay rooted and grounded in the spirit and trust what you get on the inside. You be faithful and God, God will lead you and direct you. The Bible says a man makes his plans but the Lord directs his steps. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with making plans. You understand. But be flexible enough for the Lord to make adjustments. You know, I wasn't planning on talking about any of this, and this is not the direction I'm planning on going in the podcast. But humor me for a moment. At, at my job, there is this, uh, there's this sticky tape that we put on our pallets when we print t-shirts. And I know all that stuff probably doesn't make sense to you, but we ran out of the normal stuff. And so we had to use this other stuff that's a lot thicker and a lot more sticky. So I had to lay down this, this big uh, tape on this pallet. And the thing about this tape is that it's so sticky that it's very hard to adjust. It's so sticky that when I lay it down there, if it's crooked or if it's wrinkled, it really is challenging to adjust. Why? Because it's so attached. Oh, come on. And you know, when we get so attached to things in the natural, when we get so attached to our plan, when we get so attached to what we think is going to happen and how we think it's going to happen, it makes it difficult for the Holy Spirit to adjust us. Yeah. My father in the faith, Brother Keith, more often says this, pride makes excuses for not doing things, but humility makes adjustments. Well, humility has to do with being flexible, has to do with being willing, meekness. Now, that doesn't mean you let people run over you. That doesn't mean you're, you, you don't have any strength about you. No, that's why I'm talking about the palm tree. The palm tree stays rooted. It stays where it's at. You can't move the palm tree. But it's not because of how hard and resistant it is. It's because of how flexible it is, and yet it's rooted. You can be flexible and still be rooted. And if you do that, you'll survive the hurricane. You'll survive the winds of doctrine. You'll survive the winds of change with men's plans and things of that nature. If you'll stay rooted and grounded. Anyway, that's all the introduction. That has nothing to do with what I'm going to preach today. But, you know, I, I, won't, I won't charge you for it this time. You know, it's, it's a free appetizer. But uh, the reason why I said all that is to say that I felt like the Lord changed what um, I was going to minister this week. And so the title of today's podcast is Fix the Fracture. Fix the fracture. This phrase came up in my heart this morning, um, and, and I, I've been talking about in the recent podcasts, restoration. I, I talked about restoration and repentance. And then I, I did one called Restore Us, and I got a little bit more into the restoration of relationships. And then I talked about the bones of Christ. I talked about how um, Jesus 
said or through Paul in Ephesians 5, the Apostle Paul said that we are members of his body and of his bones. And I got into what that means. What, what are the bones of Christ? And I talked about how the bones of Christ, well, that's where the joinings are. The joints are in the bones. The joinings are in the bones. And I talked about how the enemy tries so hard to break the bones of Christ. He tries to break the body of Christ. He tries to divide and fracture the body of Christ to cut off the supply of the Spirit. And so we talked about that. And then uh, I believe it was last week I did a podcast with my wife entitled uh, From Bitter to Sweet. And we talked about how to make bitter situations and bitter relationships and things like that, how to make them sweet. And so we've kind of been on this theme, and I, I thought I was going to move on from that, but this came up strong in my heart, and I feel like I needed to, to touch on it. And it may be the last thing we talk about in that, in that vein. But um, fixing the fracture, this is what came up in my heart. Let me read this to you in 1 Corinthians 12, 24. It says, For our comely parts, talking about the body of Christ, have no need, but God has tempered the body together having given more abundant honor to that part which lacks, that there should be no schism in the body. He said that there should be no schism in the body. So God does not want there to be a schism in the body. Now, what is a schism? A schism literally means a split or a division. You could say a fracture. A split or a division? Well, what is a fracture? It's a crack. It's a split. It's a dividing. It's the point of division is what it is. Um, it's, it's used to describe ripping, renting a garment. Uh, dissension is one of the usages of it. And so he said, this is not God's will for there to be any terror, any fracture, any division in the body of Christ. That's what God wants, right? Now, I read this a few podcasts back in Hosea 6, verse 1. He said, come, let us return to the Lord. I'm going to emphasize that to you. He said, come, let us return to the Lord. Why is that significant? Because that's a big part of where we're going to go today. Um, when it comes to restoration, when it comes to healing, when it comes to the binding up of a fracture, the first place it starts is returning to the Lord. In your personal relationship with Him, uh, in, your, in your fellowship with the Lord, that's where you start. Now, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but this is important. I want to emphasize it to you so it won't hurt for me to say it several times. He said, for he has torn and he will heal us. He has smitten and he will bind us up. Now, I think that's a verse that throws a lot of word of faith people. <laughs> but you know something? Uh, it's still Bible and it's the word of God and it's right. Now, people could misunderstand it. People could take it out of context. People could could misunderstand apply it to say that God is the author of sickness and disease or whatever the case is. And that's not what he's talking about. But we still don't want to throw it away because it's the holy written word of God. And he's saying something to us through it. 
It's living and active. And something that I've seen in some of these previous podcasts is that there is a division that can come by the hand of the Lord. Now, some people will recoil at that and say, no, that's not right. That's not right. But Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace on the earth, but a sword. Well, we've been looking at this in some of the Verity Vitamins, but what does a sword do? Well, the Bible says that the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing between soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. What's it talking about? What is the Word of God dividing? It's dividing between what is soul, what is spirit, what is joint, and what is marrow, and it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, this is a big part of where we're going to go. The heart, the thoughts and intents of the heart, revealing what's in the heart, showing what's in the heart. And whether something is a spirit joining or a soul joining, whether something is of the spirit or if it's just of the soul. And there is a sifting and dividing that happens. And there are times that the Lord will separate things for a season, for a reason. It doesn't mean he's the one causing division in the body of Christ. It doesn't mean he's the one that's causing fractures. That's not what's going on here, and we'll see that. The enemy wants to cause division because he wants to destroy the body of Christ. He wants to cut off the flow. But what we see here is what this is talking about is the correction of the Lord. And we're going to look at this more in this podcast, the correction of the Lord. It's not, and what did he say? It says he's torn and he will heal us. What does that tell you? This is talking about correction for the purpose of healing. This is talking about adjustment for the purpose of healing. A doctor may have to cut open a patient to correct what's going on on the inside. Open heart surgery. That's what I believe Hebrews 4.12 is describing. Open heart surgery. The Word of God is sharp like a surgical tool, and it's, it's, a, it's dividing between soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and revealing the thoughts and intents of the heart. Why? Because that's where it starts, is in the heart. And God is revealing what's going on in the heart. He's trying to fix what's in the heart. That's why you return to the Lord. Because... You may need some heart healing. Man, I'm getting ahead of myself, but it is what it is. He's the great physician, and he wants to heal us and to bind us up. He wants to fix what's not right on the inside. He wants to adjust what's out of place, out of joint. That's the only reason why he would cut or tear or divide, not to destroy, but to heal. The enemy is out to destroy. And so when God divide something temporarily like a physician it's to fix something on the inside so i want to i want to emphasize this to you god's ultimate will is restoration and binding up that which is broken that is his ultimate will for you and it's his ultimate will for your relationships it's his ultimate will for uh, anything in your life that may look broken and I'm not saying that something's broken in your life is God that did it. I'm not saying that. No, uh, God wants us to have peace. Nothing missing, nothing broken. God is not responsible for your broken body. 
if you're experiencing that. God is not responsible for your broken finances if you're experiencing that. And I'm not saying he's responsible for your broken relationships, but there may be something that God needs to deal with on a deeper level. And that's how real healing and restoration is going to come. Amen. Glory to God. And he wants things to be healed. And, you know, even with with things with people that have had to separate from unbelievers or, or, or wrong things, ultimately God wants them to be saved and, and come to the knowledge of salvation. So if that's his will, then you know restoration is his will. Otherwise, they wouldn't be where they're supposed to be. That's always his ultimate will. But this is the big thing I want to emphasize to you in this podcast, though, is that you've got to catch the fracture early on in order to stop the spread. That's why this podcast is entitled Fix the Fracture. You've got to catch the fracture early on in order to fix or stop the spread. Um, You know, a few years ago, I was driving with my grandmother, actually, we were coming back from Texas. We had been visiting some family down there and this little tiny pebble kicked up from this truck and it hit my windshield at such a speed that it made a tiny little crack in my windshield. It made a tiny little fracture. Now that's interesting to me because it was this tiny little pebble (laughs) and yet it made a little crack in my windshield because it was, it was thrown with such force and you know the bible talks about how the tongue is a little member but it it makes such a big mess (laughs) words can make such a big mess if they're thrown carelessly about and the bible also talks about how it's the little foxes that try to spoil the vine you got to watch out for some of these little things that we tend to not look at that we tend to overlook, that we tend to treat like they're not a big deal. Because you know what happened? That little fracture over the course of about three months, because I didn't fix it, it spread. And it spread to the point of making my windshield look like it was ready to shatter, (laughs) almost. You know, I'm not trying to exaggerate. It was a long time ago. But it was a big crack. And I'll tell you this, it got to the point that my insurance would no longer cover it. It got to the point that they said, sorry, we can't fix that. You're going to have to fix that out of your own pocket. And so it became a big deal, even though it was just a little pebble. And if I would have fixed the fracture the next week, it wouldn't have gotten blown out of proportion. But because I allowed the fracture to exist, it became a much bigger problem. It spread. I didn't fix it, so it spread. And I ended up having to pay $400 for a new windshield, in case you were wondering. But I felt like the Lord brought that to my mind as an example of why it's so important for us to address small fractures. Small fractures. I'll I'll explain this more and more as we go along here. But uh, the first thing I want to say is, how do we discern a fracture? How do we discern a fracture in relationships in the body of Christ, in ourselves. How do we discern that? Let's read this here in 1 Corinthians 11, starting in verse 17. It says, Now in this that I declare unto you, Paul is talking to the Corinthians, he says, I don't praise you that when you come together, you don't do it for the better, but for the worse. See, this is a picture right here. They're coming together, but something's not right. Paul's addressing a deeper issue. 
Sometimes people want to fix things on the surface. Sometimes people want everything to seem okay on the surface, but there's still a fracture underneath. There's still a fracture in the heart. There's still a fracture in the heart. And this is something that just because people want things to look good on the surface doesn't mean everything's okay. God wants to do things on a deeper level, but you know what? That can be uncomfortable. It can be uncomfortable to sit on on the operating table (laughs) and let God expose what's in the heart. But that's how you get real healing. And the Lord knows that. And these people, they're coming together, but they're not addressing issues that need to be addressed. There are, there are problems, there are issues that are not being addressed. And he said, for first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And now in case you were wondering, that word for division is the exact same word for schism in the body. Exact same word. Exact same Greek word. I believe it's schisma. I even did the Rick Renner hand motion when I said it. Man, glory to God. It just came right out of my, I wanted to say out of my spirit, but I guess it came out of my body. But anyway, that's, that's, a, good, that's a good impression. I'm doing the hand motion. You can't see it, but it's, I can see it. He said, For there must also be heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. What's he talking about? Bringing things to the surface. When you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper, For in eating, everyone takes before another his own supper, and one is hungry and another is drunken. He said, what, don't you have houses to eat and drink in? Do you despise the church of God and shame them that don't have anything? And so he's kind of rebuking them, and then he goes on to talk to them about how they should be taking and observing the Lord's Supper with reverence and with a right heart. And he goes on to say this, He said, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But watch this. He said, let a man examine himself. We've been talking about this a lot in the regular podcast and in the Verity Vitamins. Let a man examine himself. What? Examine his own heart. This is going to keep coming up. Let a man examine his own heart. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. He says, for he that drinks and eats unworthily eats and drinks damnation to himself. Watch this, not discerning the Lord's body. He said, for this cause, many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. What's he talking about? Self-examination, judging yourself, examining yourself. But he talked about discerning the Lord's body discerning the Lord's body. What, what's another way of saying that? Discerning a fracture in the Lord's body. Discerning a problem or an issue in the Lord's body. What, what were these people doing? There's division, there's a schism, but they're not discerning it because they're too busy eating and drinking and doing whatever. They're neglecting things. They're letting it go. They're saying, ah, it'll be fine. It's just a little fracture. It's not a big deal. They're just letting it go, like that crack in the wheelchair. They're just letting it go. It's not a big deal. Let's just do our thing. And, and, and Paul, by the Spirit of God, is discerning, this thing is going to grow, and it's going to get worse if we don't deal with this. He said, you're not discerning the Lord's body. You're not discerning the fracture in the bones. Do you see that in the joining? And, and, and he said, this is what's causing the problems in your congregation. This is why you are having all these issues and all these problems. You're not discerning the fracture. Now, let me just qualify something here. I'm not talking about 
having high maintenance friendships. I'm not talking about people that always, you know, want you to feel sorry for them or guilt trip or things about that nature. You know, it's great to have people in your life that are low maintenance friends where you, you, you may not talk to them for, you know, five months and then you come back together and there's no offense, there's no problems, there's no trouble. You know, I like something I heard Jeremy Pearson say one time, you know, he, there was a minister friend of his and he had texted him and he didn't text him back for a while. And, and finally he texted him back. He said, I'm sorry, man, I apologize. I didn't text you back. And the minister friend texted him back and he said, we ain't dating. (laughs) He said, you don't got to text me back every day. You know, that's fine. Well, it's good to have low maintenance friendships like that. You know, I'm not talking about, you know, family and friends and people that, that are just high maintenance, (laughs) you know, no matter what you do, they're looking for something to be wrong. They're looking for a quarrel. There's always a guilt tripping thing there. Some of that, you can get into people pleasing and no matter what you do, there's going to be something wrong. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about discerning a fracture in the spirit. Something's off here. And what did he say it started with, though? He said it started with self-examination. I want to discern there's a fracture here somewhere. The enemy's trying to cause a problem here. And one of the first places we are to look is in our own heart, is in ourselves. Is there a fracture somewhere? What's going on here? Why am I experiencing some of this in my own heart? Not letting things go, not just trying to mow over things and act like it's not a problem, it's not a deal. Addressing the issue, letting, returning to the Lord and letting Him cut things open and heal and bind up. You, you see what we're saying here? Letting Him examine the heart with the Word. Letting Him do the heart surgery that needs to happen. And, and again, if a fracture in your own heart, if a fracture in your own relationship with the Lord is not dealt with, it'll spread into your relationships and eventually the church. And so what was happening here is that their lack of reverence for the Lord's Supper was actually revealing a problem in their relationship with God. Do you see that? That's what Paul's addressing. There's division among you because there's something wrong with your heart and your relationship with the Lord, if you, if, you, if you had more reverence for the Lord, then you wouldn't be treating it this way. Do you see how it spread? The fracture starts small, but it spreads to these other areas of your life. That's why God always needs to be first place. Our relationship with the Lord always must come first place. Because if that's not right, it's going to spread to everything else. It'll spread to your, your home. It'll spread to your relationships. And eventually, it can spread to the church. Amen. Now, in light of that, I want to read this from Hebrews 12, verse 5. He said, You've forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as unto children, which says, My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord. Now, I didn't read this part, but in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul goes on to talk about how the Lord chastens us for our good. He disciplines us for our good. So he said, Don't despise the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when you are rebuked of him. For who the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son that he receives. And he goes on to say, No chastening for the present seems to be joyful, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised by it. So the first thing I want to mention is why is God correcting you? Why is God correcting me? Well, to put it plainly, 
to make something that's not correct, correct. (laughs) He's trying to correct a thing that is not correct. He's trying to fix something that's fractured. Do you see that? The correction of the Lord is to fix something that is broken, or watch this, out of joint. Where, Where are the joinings? They're in the bones. Something that's out of joint, out of joining. There's a fracture in the joining. And God's trying to correct something that's broken, that's fractured, that's out of joint. God wants to correct so he can heal. The purpose of God's correction is healing. He wants to heal. That's what he wants to do. But it's not always fun to take a limb that's out of joint and pop it back into place. If you've seen Lethal Weapon, you know that. It's not always fun to do heart surgery, (laughs) to go through that. But the correction of the Lord is for the purpose of healing. He goes on to say, Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Another translation says that which is out of joint. He said, let it rather be healed. You got to let God come in and do some correcting, do some adjusting, do some healing. This is how, this is how restoration happens. This is how peace comes. This is why God's correction yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. He goes on to say, follow peace with all men in holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. What's going to happen if you don't deal with the root of bitterness? It's going to spring up and it's going to defile many. What's it saying? It's going to spread if you don't deal with it. And and this is what I I feel like I see in this. Why is God talking about correction and putting things back in, in joint that are out of joint? And then he goes on to talk about the root of bitterness. What's the connection between letting things be healed and avoiding the root of bitterness? And this is how I saw it in my heart today. A fracture, a crack, makes room for a root of bitterness to grow up. A fracture makes room for a root of bitterness to grow up. It's like a crack in the pavement. It's like a weed that's growing through a crack in the pavement. And I'll do you one better. Fractures in the body of Christ are open doors for the devil. Fractures in the body of Christ are open doors for the devil. They make room for him to slip in. But what happens if you fix the fracture? If you fill in the crack, he can't get in. Nothing can come up. Nothing can spring up through that crack if you'll fix it, if you'll, if you'll mend it, if you'll fill it in, if you'll bind it up. Do you see that? So what are some ways that I can fix a fracture when I discern it? Well, first of all, you're not the one who's the healer. You're not the great physician. But like I told one person one time, you can be a physician's assistant. You can let the Lord use you to minister healing to people. One of the ways you do this is through pleasant words. You know, if words can cause fractures, words 
can mend fractures. The Bible says in Proverbs 16, 24, that pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. Health to the bones. You could say wholeness to the bones. Pleasant words. Words can break or words can bind. And a big part of this has to do with meekness and humility. So many issues would be avoided by humility, by meekness. So many fights that have started (laughs) and people that have gotten hurt could have been avoided through meekness and humility. Just imagine, you see some of these things where these guys are like challenging each other. Wait, what you looking at, man? You want to fight? You know, just all this nonsense. People, just pride, just causing people to get in these fights and pull guns on each other. Just imagine what a little meekness could do. Now, I'm not saying in every situation, I understand that. There's legitimate forms of self-defense. I understand that. But some of this silly stuff, these silly fights that people get into. Imagine if somebody just said, oh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to say that. I wasn't doing that. I apologize. Would you forgive me? I'm not saying that'll always work in every situation, but it will work in a lot of situations. I know because I've been in some of those situations. And I, I, you can diffuse situations with meekness and humility. The Bible says that a soft answer turns away wrath. Amen. And here's the biggest thing I want to emphasize to you, and it's what we've been talking about. You fix a fracture by going to the source. You fix a fracture by finding out where it started. You got to find out where the fracture started. And I'll tell you this, a fracture starts in the heart. It starts in the heart. You first got to fix the fracture, watch this, in your own heart. That's how you start. You got to identify and discern the fracture that's in your own heart. And you've got to allow the Lord to come in and heal that especially if there's been some kind of fracture or rift in your relationship with the Lord. And there's a lot of people that would say, oh, no, 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 me and God are great. Me and God are good. I love the Lord. And yet maybe a tragedy happened or maybe something happened that changed the way they saw things and changed the way they saw the Lord and changed their expectation because that thought has been gnawing on them. It's been gnawing in their heart. Why did God let that happen? Why did God do that? And it's a little fracture. It's a little crack on the inside. And if it doesn't get fixed, it's going to try to spread. Now, that's why Hosea 6 says, let us return to the Lord. You got to come back to your relationship with the Lord first. And the first thing God's going to do is say, baby, let's take a look at your heart. Let's take a look at your heart. Isn't that what Jesus said in Isaiah 61? The spirit of the Lord is upon me to heal the brokenhearted. Why is that important? Because that's where it starts. That's where the fracture starts. You got to return to the Lord. You got to come back to the Lord and say, God, what's going on in my heart? Look at this in Psalm 139, 23. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. What is this? This is an invitation. This is inviting God in. He said, try me and know my thoughts. This is a doctor's appointment. He's saying, hey, hey, test me. (laughs) Check my heart out for me. This is a doctor's appointment. He said, and see if there be any wicked way in me. And and again, I'm going to pull out the the Rick Renner. Um, If you look that up, it literally means any way of pain. Any way of pain. And lead me in the way everlasting. 
you got to invite God into your own heart to fix the fracture before you can fix it anywhere else. Proverbs 17.22 says, A merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. Your heart. Your heart being broken. A brokenness on the inside. A, A broken spirit is not talking about your human spirit being broken, but something that's been hindered or cut off in the spirit. The flow, uh, something that was there before that was cut off or hindered or fractured in the spirit. There are fractures in the spirit. There are divine connections. There are divine joinings. And there's a flow of the spirit that gets cut off because of offense. You understand? And if there's a brokenness there, you're hindered from being able to fix the, the body of Christ. Now, you got to first address the fracture in your own heart. And how do you do that? How do you fix a fracture on the inside? Well, watch this. You need some good news. Oh, come on. What did Jesus say in Isaiah 61 and in Luke uh, 4? He, He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor and to heal the brokenhearted. You need some good news. Good news heals fractures in the bones. I'll prove it to you. Proverbs 15:30 The light of the eyes rejoices the heart and a good report makes the bones fat. In the amplified Bible it says it nourishes the bones. In the passion translation it says hearing a good report refreshes and strengthens the inner being. You need some good news. Why do you need some good news? Because Again, if there's been a breakage, if there's been a fracture on the inside, it can change the way you see God. And, and even if you wouldn't admit it or you wouldn't say it, it can change your, your expectation and your faith. And if that's the case, then that's a problem. Because he said, taste and see that the Lord is good. God wants you expecting good things from him. And he wants you to know that it's the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's not the one that's stealing and killing and destroying. He's not the one that's causing the death. He's not the one that's causing the problems. It's the thief that does that. He wants you to know that he came that you'd have life and have it more abundantly. But as long as that fracture's there, it's like a fracture in your glasses. If you're somebody that wears glasses, it hinders your ability to see, changes how you see things. We see this with Ruth and Naomi. Naomi said, the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. Why? Because... She experienced tragedy, but that's not true. He hadn't dealt bitterly with her. Life had dealt bitterly with her. The world had dealt bitterly with her because we live in a cursed world. But no, the Bible says in Psalm 13, I will sing to the Lord for he has dealt bountifully with me. God didn't deal bitterly with you. He's dealt bountifully with you. But if you don't see that and you're not expecting that, baby, you need some good news. You need a good report. And that's going to be health to your bones. That's going to fix the fracture. It's going to rejoice your heart. Good news. And listen, before you can give good news to other people, you've got to receive the hope, the expectation, the good news. And healing brings hope. I'll say it again. Healing brings hope. If there's no hope, there hasn't been complete healing. Oh, I'll say it again. If there's no hope, if there's no expectation, that's an evidence of a fracture on the inside. There's an evidence 
of a lack of expectation, you still need some heart surgery. You still need to get some of that shrapnel out of your heart. You need to let God come in and divide between soul and spirit with the, with the word of God. Amen. And after you've done that, then you can fix the fracture in your relationships with others. You can fix the fractures in the body of Christ. The Lord can do it through you, you understand. The Lord can use you to help mend broken bones in the body. Why? Because you first let him mend what was going on inside of you. Let me read this to you real quick. In 1 Timothy 3, verse 1, it says, This is a true saying. If any man desires the office of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, and of good behavior, not given to wine, given to hospitality, able to teach, uh, not greedy, patient, not covetous, Uh, one that rules his own house well, having his children in subjection. He says, For if a man knows not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Why is that important? Because if a man can't discern, watch this, a fracture in his own home, how can he discern a fracture in the church? If a doctor doesn't recognize sickness in his own home, how could he recognize sickness with a patient? Do you see that? There's a connection here. He said, how are you going to take care of the church if you can't take care of your home? And listen, how can you take care of your home if you haven't learned how to take care of your heart? Ah, come on. All these things he listed that that were a part of being blameless, not covetous, not greedy, hospitable, Uh, These are things that have to do with the heart. And he goes on to say, Moreover, he must, watch this, have a good report of them which are without. That has to do with having a good testimony with those who are outside of the body of Christ. And he ends it all by saying, Holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. A pure conscience. Again, that has to do with the heart. It starts in the heart. It spreads to the home. It's going to end up in the church if it's not dealt with. That's why if you can't steward your heart and you can't steward your home, how can God trust the church to you? A fracture starts in the heart, spreads to the home. It'll end up in the body if it's not dealt with. But how how do you deal with it? How do you deal with it? Last verse, Matthew 22, 34 says, But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and said, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And watch this, the second is like unto it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Why is that second? Because if you don't love the Lord with all your heart, you won't be able to truly love your neighbor as yourself. If you don't love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind, you can't love your neighbor. It starts in your relationship with the Lord, and it will affect your relationship with your neighbor. And he goes on to say, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Do you know what you can't do with a broken rod? You can't hang something on it. 
If something's fractured and broken, you can't hang something heavy on it. He said on these two commandments, hang all the law and the prophets. Well, if something's fractured in the first commandment, can you hang something on that? No, you can't trust it. You got to fix the fracture before anything else can be built on it or hung on it. Do you see that? The biggest thing I want to emphasize to you in this podcast, maybe you feel like you've got fractures in your life, fractures in your body, uh, fractures in your relationships, fractures in your finances, fractures in your church, fractures in your home. The first thing you need to do is go back and return to the Lord. And if you'll return to the Lord, he will do the healing and the binding. But guess where he's going to start? He's going to start in your own heart. And if there's anything that's not quite right in your relationship with him, that's the first thing he's going to talk to you about. And if you'll fix that, listen, if you'll fix the crack at its source, if you'll fix the fracture at its source, it won't spread to the rest. It won't spread to the other things. And if you allow God to fix that, that's the first step to fixing everything else. Amen. Glory to God. Hey, if you've never received Jesus as the Lord of your life, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Uh, you don't need another opportunity. You don't need another altar call. You don't need to go to a church service for that purpose. It's good to go to church, but you don't need to wait for anything else is what I'm saying to you right now is the best time you will ever have to give your heart to the Lord and don't put it off. He died for you. He rose again from the dead. He loves you. And if you will receive him and you will give your life to him, he will take you and you will be born again. Amen. Uh, this has been the No Content Podcast. I hope you got something good out of this today. I'll talk to you the next time you click play. Thanks again for listening to the No Content Podcast. Remember that Jesus loves you. He loves everyone else. And please don't forget to feed the ducks.